0: Good morning church! Good to be together today in a way that we're not usually together. We often start with baptism, but not usually out in Mother Nature. Uh, We've got uh, Cade Mary here. Cade accepted Christ here a while back. But he wanted to get baptized outside in a creek. So, guess what we found? (laughs) Woo! Outside and a creek. And uh, we may be moving into summer, but it's getting good and cool here. So before he turns blue, we are going to do this baptism. But we're glad we'd be together in one place. Look, many of you have had opportunity to pour into Cade's life over the years. Uh, You've taught him in Bible school. You've taught him in Sunday school. You've been away on camps and all with him. So if you will, we're going to give you a big wave. Cade, let's wave to all these people. that have been so important to you, okay? All right, and they'll be waving right back to us there on Sunday morning. Okay, Cade. You've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to be your Lord and Savior, right? And so now you're going to follow him in believer's baptism. As you're laid back in the water, it's a symbol you believe Jesus died and was buried for your sin. And when you're brought back up, it's a symbol that you believe Jesus rose again to have your life. Ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, Dad, come on in there good and close. Upon your profession of faith in Christ and Him, we baptize you as our brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here we go. (laughs) <laughs> all right, let's bless God together. Father, thank you for the refreshing that is in you. As this water refreshes our body, your spirit refreshes our soul. Thank you for what you're doing in Cage life, for mom and dad and all his family and friends that have just poured into his life and brought to this point right now. We thank you, we bless you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: forever of your love come down with my hands to heaven shout your praises loud I was lost in darkness when you pulled me out I will sing forever of your love come down oh oh, oh.
0: Seated, please I'll tell you a little bit about that baptism earlier. Um, we had, had planned this trying to find the warmest day we possibly could, and so we decided earlier in the week when it was in the upper 80s, early 90s. Well, then when they finally got here, wouldn't you know it was back down in the 70s? So we're easing out into water. You didn't see this on camera, we're easing out in the water, and I said, Kate, whose idea was this? He said, You chose the place, and I said, Well, okay, there you go. Then. <laughs> Get anything on that boy, water that uh, we shared with him his baptismal certificate in the first service. And mom and dad joined our church family as well, though they've been a part of our our family for a lot. Hey, before we start this morning, I'm so glad to see you here. Uh, those we got a good number here in the sanctuary, we're still uh, broadcasting with uh, simulcast. And so, folks at home, thank you for being here. Let's wave at them, say, Hey, glad you're here with us too. All right, there you go. Now, before we start. I hate to do this again, but I'm heavy hearted again about what all is going on in our nation, what all is going on in our state capital, uh, and it's impacting every fiber of our lives. And so we just really need to be praying right now. My heart's heavy. Uh, the events surrounding the shooting of, of uh, Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta's all over the news. And there's so much we don't know about this, okay? Uh, one or two video angles don't give all the information. But I will tell you this, It's totally unfair to try anybody in the court of public opinion. This is still America. We still need to get all of the evidence. Now, Everything appears that there was excessive use of force, but we don't know that yet. So we just want to be uh, totally engrossed in praying for our leadership. We want to be praying for our nation. We're praying for our capital city, which is in turmoil right now. We just want to lift them up. Our nation, folks, is broken. Okay? Our nation is broken, and we need healing. Cry for justice is filling the streets, and in many ways it should. Uh, many feel their voices are not being heard. and However, let me just say, I, I, voices not being heard does not equate to burning fast food restaurant or looting a convenience store. I mean, justice is not served in that either. So we just need to be praying one for another. We need to be praying for our nation and all that's going on. We need change in America. Yes, we've, we found that if I hadn't found anything else in my lifetime, I found you cannot legislate morality. You just can't. You can't put that in a law and make people believe that uh, and follow it. What it takes is a serious change of heart that comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are the agents of that. God has left us here on planet earth for the purpose of sharing the gospel, sharing our story of how we've had a change in our heart and we need to be about changing that. As a matter of fact, the scripture that came to my mind was from Titus chapter 2. It says, Our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself a people of his own possession who were zealous for good works. That's, that's us. That's the family of God. And we need to example that. If ever there is a group of people who can speak to our our nation and say, Look, here's how you can be as different as different can be, and yet be one. And it has to do with our single purpose around the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Let's take a moment right now and pray.
0: Will you join me? Father, in these troubled, troubled, troubled times, we do not take prayer as a last resort, but as our first response. Lord, we want to cry out to heaven. We want to cry out before you for justice and cry against injustice. We want to cry out to you for equality and against inequality. We want to pray on behalf of those whose voices are not being heard. We want to also pray before you for those brave men and women who put the thin blue line before us, separating us from so much evil. And how can we hope For evil to be controlled if they're defunded and taken off the planet. Lord, we need balance. We need wisdom. And you tell us that when we need wisdom, we're to come to you. And you give it absolutely, liberally, without holding anything back. So we come before you for our nation, for our city, for our county, for our state, asking you to pour out your wisdom, but also pour out your peace, pour out your grace. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.
1: Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, oh, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place, oh. You are the one. this morning that when we set our eyes on Christ we set our eyes on a newness and on change sing this out with us it's a new horizon and I'm set on you cause you meet me here today with mercies that are new all my fears and doubts they can all come to because they can't stay long change us from the inside out that we would set our eyes on him and look to him for guidance look to him for healing not just in our own lives but in the lives of those around us we need to speak healing into other people's lives we believe that he is the way the truth and the life let's continue our worship this morning our trust in him Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed me yet come to pass my heart will sing your praise again Jesus you're still enough keep me within your love my heart will sing your praise again. Let's sing it out together. Your promise still stands. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my cause. You know it says, "You've never failed me yet." That doesn't believe. That means that does not mean that we think He will fail us eventually. It means that up until now, because we can't see the future, we know He hasn't failed us. But we know from the truth of the Scripture that He won't. I see move you. Move. I can't.
0: Time in our service that usually we'll be taking up an offering, but because of the way we're set up right now, we're going to be receiving the offering at the end of the service. As you exit the doors, there'll be places for you to place your offering there. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness uh, in all this period of time. Speak to the O's at home. Uh, you know you can still give online. You can give by mail. Or you can come by the church, and visit with us a little bit. We love for you to do that too. But this is the time for us to express. Our love for the Lord By saying yes to what he's put on our heart He has blessed us so much Even in the midst of all of the difficult things That are going on What an incredible blessing he is So will we join me, let's just thank him Let's just fill our hearts with praise and adoration Of the Lord right now Father you have never ever failed us And you never will You're not going to grant us everything that we ask You're not a cosmic Santa Claus But you are a faithful Father who is loved and predisposed to hear and to grant the requests of your children that are asked in the name of your Son. So Father, we come before you asking blessings on all that we're going to receive in terms of our tithes and offerings today. Thank you for the lives we've been able to impact right here in our county and all the way around the world because of the faithfulness of your people, your people that are called First Baptist Blairs. We... Be faithful. Sometimes we're being faithful with less because we've lost jobs or we've cut hours cut back or whatever. But we remain faithful. And you take that faithfulness and you bless it. There are people around the world that are hearing the gospel because of the faithfulness of our church and so many others that continue to stand firm to share the gospel. So Lord, bless the gift but bless the givers as well. Because, Lord, sometimes we do have to give uh, the same way we have to worship out of our hurt, out of our pain, out of our difficulty. But you remain faithful. So we ask your blessings as we receive this offering at the end of our service, as those are at home or even now maybe making out their checks or making plans to, to give online. Lord, may this be a blessing for many souls to come to you. We ask in Christ's name.
1: To what we Why do we sing amen? Why do we say amen at the end of a prayer? It's not because it means the end. It's not the last page of a book. It's because amen means I agree, I believe. These things I've said, these things I've lifted up in faith are not just words. They are me speaking to God, my faith. I believe this. Please, Lord. Help me with this. Please, Lord, deliver me from this. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. For my family, for my blessings, but also for the weeping. Thank you. And amen. I believe that. I agree with it. I want this for my life in order to glorify you. So when we sing lyrics like that, May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. You know, my children are here today. They normally don't get to be here. They're really tiny and they have masks on, which is really cute. But they normally don't get to be in here for this kind of stuff. And it's kind of life-changing to sing songs like that with your kids in the room. So that's my prayer for you this morning. The Lord would make his face to shine upon you. Thank you so much for listening, for singing with us. Let's pray together. God, you are the one that we sing this kind of a song to. God, you are the only one that has the power to change, that has the power to do a miracle in our world right now, that has the power to do a miracle in our lives first so that we can be your hands and feet out in the world. Lord, do your miracles through us. Use us. Call us. Equip us. We know you have. We know you've promised to. But we ask it in faith. We repeat it in faith. Lord, even if it's just so that we're reminding ourselves. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, and it's In your son's name we pray.
2: Amen. He is for you. Mm. He he is for you. And 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 He's for you, Ed. (laughs) He is for us. You know, just speak that over yourself. Hear the words of God. The Father, as He speaks that over you, I am for you. And so, you know, as we think about continuing in our... in this sermon series uh, called Overheard Prayers, as we listen to Jesus pray... He is for you. He is for me, he is for us. And he at home watching. He's for you. He's for you. Uh, this high priestly prayer, you know, Ben referred to the Aaron's priestly prayer. This bless this is this or a blessing. Well, this is the high priest, Jesus. As he prays. Um, And we get to listen in as the Son of God. um, Intimately is in conversation with the Father God. And it it is just this beautiful, beautiful prayer. Uh, uh, So precious, so holy, so hallowed. that We get to listen in. And, And in this prayer, in the... Uh, in John chapter 17 it is the conclusion of the upper room discourse where Jesus is saying for the last time or, or, or having his last time to teach before, with the disciples before he goes to the cross this is where we are and this is drawing to a close his time of teaching is, has drawn to a close and now he is praying wow and as we listen to this prayer, as we hear this overheard prayer in John chapter 17, there there are three parts to the prayer. And in that, there's also four privileges. And I just want to go back over those with you now. The three parts of the prayer is that in, during this prayer, Jesus prays for Himself. Jesus prays for His disciples. And then Jesus prays for us. Uh, the first week, we talked about and Jesus praying for himself. All right. And in that first week, we saw the, the, uh, one of the four privileges that we get or um, are revealed to us in this prayer. And the first privilege is that we share Jesus' life. We share Jesus' life. That is so amazing that we literally share in Jesus' life, his joy. His love, His passion, His eternal life. We share that. That's not something we get later. It's something that we can have right now. We share in that life. okay? And that was an amazing uh, journey to get to talk with you and learn with you. As we read through that. And then, then um, last week, in verse six through 12, we discovered the second privilege. as Jesus began pre- uh, praying for the disciples. He transitioned in his prayer to start to pray for the disciples. And last week, in verse six through 12, we learned this. That, uh, that the second privilege is that we know God's name. And in what we learned about knowing the name of God reveals his nature we know and learn and understand and get to live in the nature of who god is so we've in the first privileges that we know we get to share his life the second privilege is that we get to that we get is that we know his name and this week jesus in verse 13 through 19 he continues to pray for the disciples and in this is revealed the third privilege which is we have his promises we have god's promises and we're going to talk about those today Uh, so let's read verses 13 through 19 in john john chapter 17 if you have your bibles you can turn to john chapter 17 um if you don't uh you uh, or you or use your device or whatever but turn to John chapter 19 if you don't have that if you have that capability right here with you today we're gonna to have the verses on the screen and they're gonna be in the English Standard Version okay so John chapter 17 let's read verses 13 through 19 ready but now I'm coming to you this is Jesus speaking to God Jesus speaking to his father okay but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world, alright? That they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Okay? He's speaking and he's praying specifically for the disciples right here. I have given them your word. And the word was, has, I'm sorry, I'm giving them your word. And the world, one letter difference. And the world has hated them because they are not of God. The world, just as I am not of the world. All right. And then verse 15 I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And verse 16 They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 17 Sanctify them in the truth. Your word, your word is truth. And then 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Wow, there's a lot of great stuff here. I can't wait to talk with you about. But first, let's pray. God, we love you. Oh, you're so for us. You're not a God waiting to punish us. But you're, you are the God who saves. Thank you. Now open our eyes to these promises that are found in these verses, in your Son's precious prayer. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first promise that we learn today from these verses, if you have your notes, you can start filling in the blanks. If you don't, you can just write it on your hand. Or on your mask. (laughs) That's how you can bedazzle your mask. Promise number one is the promise of the Father to fill them with joy. The promise of the Father to fill them with joy. It's in verse 13. Let's just look at that verse again. But but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You see, joy really is the heart of the prayer. This high priestly prayer. It's the theme. And actually, it's the theme of what Jesus has said to them all through the upper room discourse. Joy. 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 In spite of your circumstances. Joy. In in spite of not being very popular. As a matter of fact, joy in spite of the fact that you're hated. Joy that everything may not be working out just like you planned. Joy that you might have pain, that you may have misery, that you may have suffering, but have joy. Jesus is saying, here's the thing. In chapter 15, verse 11, He, be- he begins the process in this upper room discourse. He-, he introduces the joy there. And in chapter 16, verse 20-22, through 22, he-, he-, he talks about joy coming from a transformation. You know, this this metamorphosis, this change that comes within. See, the disciples are still, trying, are still grappling with all that this means. You know, they've been with Jesus. They've, they've lived with Him. They've seen the miracles. They've heard the teaching. It's blown their minds like they've never heard before, right? But they're still, they're still struggling with centuries of, of teaching that has taught them that God is far away and God is out there and their, their father is more Abraham or their father is more Israel. But not this, this concept of God being Father, and God being love and God being one that grabs them and envelops them and holds them. They're still grappling with all this. And Jesus is saying... This joy that I'm talking about, this joy that I have, this joy that I'm living with, leaving with you, is a transformational joy. It's, it's, it's when this gets inside of you and changes you. And then he goes on in the verse, in chapter 16, verse 23 and 24, he says, "Joy comes then from answered prayer. You will. Your prayer, when you ask in my name, it will be given to you." There's just joy, and then Jesus says, "Here, joy doesn't come from the world. It comes from the Word." And there's there's a play on words here, with word. It's the Word, you know, that uh, that is in the flesh. The perf- personification of truth that is in the flesh, of, in, in the presence of Jesus Christ. Joy comes from that, and joy also comes from the words that he, that he speaks. The truth that He speaks. You know that, what Jesus was saying, all those things that He said to them, all the things that He taught, that had not been written down yet. It had not been compiled yet. Praise God, we have it in this precious, precious book. But the joy comes from the Word, the personification of the Word. Capital W Word. Jesus. And the Word. Capital W. The Scripture. The Bible. Jesus. And the written words of truth. And then he explains that this is your, your joy. Joy. What is joy? So much more than happiness. So much more. If your pursuit in life is to be happy, you will be disappointed your entire life. Because as soon as you get the thing that you think makes you happy, that shine wears off. And you're going to need something else. It's a constant, constant disappointment. It's not happiness. so, so much more. There's a stubbornness to joy. It's an attitude that looks right in the face of pain and suffering and says, I have all that I need it's a, it's 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 looking straight in the into the face of 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 things that are big and scary and frightening and that you don't understand and saying that's okay i have all that i need for joy i have all that i need and it gives me joy it's being able to look at your circumstances that are overwhelming out of control to be to to look at a, a, a global pandemic and the, and, and the ho- horrible situation that it is. And to, still, and to say, I don't understand it all, God, but I have all I need. I have joy. You will use this to bring glory to yourself. To, to shine in, in this world that you created with the light of the gospel. You will use this. As I watched on TV last night, just out of control what's happening in, the, in our state capital with interstates being blocked and fast food restaurants being burned. It, it, totally out of control. I can't imagine what those folks are feeling. The chaos that they feel that would drive them to go out on an interstate. You know how dangerous that is? And to do the things in the, the, the chaos that they feel. I would say to them as much as you feel that everything is out of control, God is. God is. He will use that. He will use these circumstances to turn to make something good. Look, we can sit where we are, and we tend to sit in a bubble here in the mountains, a little bit of an ivory tower, maybe maybe and we look at places like oh that's just them well the world i mean any minute i'm going to hear the trumpet this is what i know god can use that to bring glory to himself and advance his kingdom and to make change in our society and our culture he can use that he can do it, and he will, and that brings me joy. In the spite of my chaos, I uh, want to read an excerpt to you. Well, first of all, I want to let's do this. I just recently finished up a little week, weekly study I was doing online uh, on the Red Sea rules. Uh, the same God who. Led you in, will lead you out. Uh, I don't know. Anybody see any of that? Great. There's a smattering. Thank you for you three people. Thank you. Anyway, I was doing this thing online and it's based on this uh, book, The Red Sea Rules. It's all about the children of Israel being backed up against the The Red Sea, and they're kind of cul-de-saced around by the wilderness and these mountains. And, they're, and here come the Egyptians pouring down and they mean them. Harm. and they're an impossible 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 situation they are <laughs> the children of Israel armed with their trowels that they used to make bricks and here comes the greatest army with chariots thundering down on top of them and you know the story God opened up the Red Sea. The wind blew all night. And He opened up the Red Sea. And not only did they have a path over to the other side, it was dry. They didn't even get their sandals muddy. And He took them to the other side. And that miracle started with salvation. And when the the Israelites got to the other side, and the Egyptians said, well, we'll just go right through there too. And here comes the water. God let the water come back down and destroyed the greatest army on the earth the miracle then ended with destruction. And then on the other side, the next morning, the Israelites, you know, they woke up, and, they, and when they woke up, they were like, Wow, it sure it's hot on this beach. Is that what they did? The Bible said, records the first song of worship recorded in the Bibles right here. And they started shouting to the top of their lungs, God has delivered us. We were doomed! We had no hope! We've been led out here to die. It was over! But in the face of our certain destruction, God saved us. And they danced. And they wept. And they raised their hands and they fell on their knees. And they shouted and sung. And they did things they'd never done before. And they acted a fool. And it was okay. Because they were dead. And now they're alive. They had joy. They didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Right? But if God would deliver them like that, they didn't worry about it. They had all they needed for joy. Their salvation had come. I want to read this excerpt to you from a book called The Applause of Heaven. One of my favorite authors, Max Lucado. I have everything I need for joy! And exclamation points. Robert Reed said, Amazing, I thought. His hands are twisted and his feet are useless. He can't bathe himself. He can't feed himself. He can't brush his teeth, comb his hair, or put on his underwear. His shirts are held together by strips of Velcro. And his speech drags like a worn out audio cassette Robert has cerebral palsy the disease keeps him from driving a car riding a bike and going for a walk but it didn't keep him from graduating high school or attending Abilene Christian University from which he graduated with a degree in Latin having cerebral palsy didn't keep him from teaching at a Saint Louis junior college or from venturing overseas on five mission trips. And Robert's disease didn't prevent him from becoming a missionary in Portugal. He moved to Lisbon alone in 1972. Now, he can't walk. He can't even put his clothes on. But he moved alone to Lisbon in 1972. Okay? All right. There he rented a hotel room and began studying Portuguese. So not only did he, does he have this debilitating uh, condition, and he moved there alone, he didn't even know the language. So he rents this room and starts studying Portuguese. Alright. He found a restaurant owner who would feed him after the rush hour, and a tutor who would instruct him in the language. Then he stationed himself daily in a park where he distributed brochures for Christ. Within six years, he led 70 people to the Lord. One of them was named Rosa, and she became his wife. I heard Robert speak recently. I watched other men carry him in his wheelchair onto the platform. I watched him lay a Bible in his lap. I watched his stiff fingers force open the pages. And I watched people in the audience wipe away tears of admiration from their faces. Robert could have asked for sympathy or pity, but he did just the opposite. He held his bent hand up in the air and he boasted, I have everything I need for joy. His shirts are held together by Velcro, but his life is held together by joy. So much more than happiness. So very much more than happiness. And if you are a follower of Christ, maybe that's why you needed to be here today to hear. Following Christ is about the pursuit of joy, is about the realization that you have joy and not the pursuit of happiness. It's about the pursuit of Christ. It's about living every day for him, for Jesus, and dying to yourself. That's what it is. And if you're not a follower of Christ today, this is what I'm inviting you to. Let me tell you, let me tell you how it works. You admit, if you're not a follower of Christ, if you're watching at home, wherever you are, you admit you're not perfect. And your imperfection is because of your choices. And the Bible calls that sin. That sin, whenever you choose my will, what I want over God's will, and what He wants, it's sin. When you choose that, that separates you from God forever. If you've ever done it one time, you were separated from God forever. Billy Graham was separated from God forever. Mother Teresa, your grandmother, is anybody, all of us. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible also says, The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's what, made, that's what got Billy Graham. To your grandmother, the greatest Christian you've ever known. That's what got them back into right relationship with Jesus. Is to to begin with admitting that I have chosen to be separated from Him and it's forever. You admit that and then you believe that Jesus is who He said He is. And He did what He said He did. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. You believe that. God, that Jesus came in the world not to condemn it, but to save it. We've condemned ourselves. We have to understand that. That we condemn ourselves and believe that Jesus is the answer, the antidote for that. And then trust Him with the rest of your life. You don't have to clean yourself up. Just trust him he Say, here's my life. Take it such as it is. Make it something beautiful, For your kingdom. For your glory. That's how you become a follower of Christ. I'm inviting you to that today. You don't have to know. You don't have to have everything figured out. I don't have everything figured out. Certainly don't have everything figured out. Brother Fred has more figured out than I do. But he still doesn't have everything figured out. We're still pursuing Jesus. That is the Christian life. That is the Gospel. That is your source of joy. That is, and that's what Jesus was leaving with His disciples. And He has left with us. So that's the first promise the Father had. Was to fill them with joy. Second promise. The promise of the Father to keep them. There was the promise of the Father to keep them. Verse 14 through 16 says this, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. What what does this mean? This is what we have to understand. So, if you are going to be a follower of Christ, and if Jesus is what Jesus says is true, which I I believe it is, very much so, then the devil and the world, and the world being those who are not followers of Christ, hate you. That's what Jesus said. They hate you. Why do they hate you? Or that, why do they hate the disciples? Because they're different. Because they have a deep relationship with Jesus. And it makes... It made them different, and it makes us different. They aren't a part of the world system, and they don't adhere to its values and philosophies. Let me tell you how... We, where we get into trouble as followers of Christ. When we try to live in such a way that when it suits our purpose, then we do what glorifies God. But when it doesn't suit our purpose, then we do what looks like the world. We have the option to act in the Spirit or in the flesh. We, have, we keep both of those. I want to keep both of those on the table. You know, I want to be okay. I want to be good, but I still want to be that good. That's when you get into trouble. That's what the Bible calls a, a carnal Christian. A worldly Christian. You want to keep both options on the table. And the Word, which is Jesus, and the Word, which is His truth, exposes... The world and its deceptions, and they can't stand it, and they hate it. Because when you get close to the word, when you get close to the truth, it's like a big spotlight shining on you. It's like a makeup mirror with all those lights around it, and you get your face in your ear, and you're like, Oh my goodness, there's not enough makeup in the world. Bring me a shovel! You know it just exposes like a spot you know, a, a spotlight. Like um, we were doing some painting here at the church this week, and they used they literally used a spotlight in certain areas to make sure we were getting it all the places. And that's what the word does. That's what the truth does. It, re, it exposes. What is wrong? It exposes what is evil, it exposes what is not the truth. And those who refuse to change then will hate it. Don't show me what's wrong with me. How dare you point out my shortcoming? Who are you to judge? Don't you do that. I will stay the same. And the world will change around me. I get to choose what truth is. I get to choose what bad is and what good is. And you know what? I have the option for that to be one thing today and something else tomorrow. And when you say that God's Word is truth and there's no room for all this waffling, the world hates that. They don't want anything to do with it. And they hate you because that's who you are. It would be easy for the disciples to say, hey, you know what, Jesus? Yikes. Can we just go with you? Or uh, even us today. You know what, Lord? I'm watching the news, uh, and uh, the world's going to hell in a hat box. And uh, can you just get me out of here? I'm ready. That's the reason why Jesus is praying for His Father to keep the disciples. It's because we, as followers of Christ... Are of great value to Christ and His kingdom when we are in this world. It's the reason why, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, "You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Keep your saltiness." You know what salt does? Salt, salt flavors. Salt enhances. We are to be in the world and to, to flavor the world with the love of God, with the truth of His Word, with the, with the message of the Gospel. Right? You know what El Salt does? Is It preserves. We are to be in the world as God's agent of preservation. Of, of preservation eternal preservation. It's through us that He will share His message with the world. And he says, "You're the light of the world. You don't put your a city set on the sit on the hill cannot be hidden. And you don't take your light and put it on a stand, and, and you don't take your light and hide it. You put it on a stand so people can see. We are to be lights in darkness. See, we are of great value to Jesus. That's the reason why he's asking God, keep them. This word keep." as uh, like Brother Fred said, it is the strongest word for the word keep used in the Scripture. It is this military type turn where Jesus is saying, God, Father, garrison around them. Build a, a defense around them. A strong defense around them. To protect them. It's different from keeping them safe. You know, Keeping, if you pray for safety, you're pray, maybe you're praying that you don't need to go do something that God's calling you to do. But if you're praying for God to protect you as you go recklessly doing His will, that's different. And that's what God, Jesus is praying. As they are salt and light in this world, will you, my Father, protect them? That's His promise that he will keep us so jesus asked the disciples to be protected by god as they were being used as agents for change this is the second promise The first promise to fill them with joy the second to keep them and finally the third promise is to sanctify them look at verse 17 through 19 for the fo- sanctify them in the truth your your word is truth so sanctify them in your word as you sent me into the world, now I'm sending them. So there's this being sanctified in the Word, and it's being sanctification by being sent, right? And then, and then for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Let's just break this down. There's first, the first way that God will sanctify the disciples and also sanctify us is in the truth the truth is Jesus. The truth is in the, in the Word, the Scripture. So we begin with this deep relationship of dependence on Jesus. It's The Bible calls it, it earlier in this uh, Upper Room Discourse in chapter 15, Jesus talked about it in terms of abiding. That you find your very essence for living in Jesus, that He is literally the air in your lungs. He is what makes you go. And then you stay there, you you stay there by living in His Word. Living in the truth of His Word. So you abide in Christ and you live in His Word. And when you do that, it changes the way you pray. It changes your... Thoughts become his thoughts. His thoughts become your thoughts. His words become your words. His actions become your actions, and your prayers reflect that. Like Brother Fred said earlier uh, this morning, it's your prayers. Outside of this, your prayers look like a laundry list or a grocery list, and that Jesus is a cosmic, you know, Santa Claus that you take your list to. You say, your prayers may look like, Lord, I want, I want, I want, gimme, 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 and fix those bad people. But when you're abiding in Christ and you are living in the truth of His Word, then your prayers look more like, God, bring your kingdom in me, and then use me to bring your kingdom in this world. We, with the eternal parts of who we are, this is a, a teaching straight from our discipleship at First Baptist. We teach, we believe, and it's absolutely scriptural. That like God is, a, God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we, and there, the eternal part of who we are is triune as well. We have a mind, a thinker, we have, a, we have emotions, a heart, that's our feeler, and we have a will, that's our decider. Alright, so listen to this. With our mind, we learn God's truth through the Word. With our hearts, our emotions, we love God's truth, His Son. And with the will, we yield to the Spirit and live God's truth. So, right learning plus right loving equals right living. Right loving plus right learning equals right living. There is this change that happens. And we become sanctified through that. Set apart. Sanctified is set apart. Sanctified. is holy. We become set apart through that process of being more and more like His Son Jesus to be used for the purpose that God is calling us to. To be His agent of change in the world with the Gospel. He's also sanctified us in verse 18 for ministry. See, Jesus is saying in verse 18 that he's sending the disciples forth. He's sending forth the disciples, right? The, he's, we're not saved just to be safe, we're saved to be sent. Sent into a world that needs to hear. And the the disciples were being sent forth into a world that hates them to tell them that God loves them. No wonder they needed the protection to be kept. So we're being sanctified by His Word, sanctified for the ministry. You have a ministry. The Gospel should be oozing out of everything you do and everything you are. And then we're sanctified for God's glory. Jesus, on His way to the cross, look what what He says in verse 19. And for their sake, I consecrate Myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Consecrate is like sanctified. It's being set apart, being made holy. Jesus is saying right here, I I am on my way to the cross, literally walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. I am setting myself apart to be obedient, which produces joy. I'm going there. To do, to finish the job that you set forth for me. And when I do that, I make possible these disciples to be sanctified, holy, and set apart. It is my promise. Jesus on His way to the cross was finishing what He was sent to do so the disciples could do what they were being sent to do. Both for God's glory. Wow. What a a heart. It's the heart of a Savior as He prays for His disciples. So, I'm asking you today, What? Where, where are you in this process? At home, where are you in this process? Do you need to give your life to, to Jesus? We offer that for you today. If you're a follower of Christ, Do you need to start living in the promises in Jesus' prayer? This to be filled, to be kept, to be sanctified. If if you have been considering becoming a follower of Christ today and you want to do that, this is how I want you to pray. Let's just bow our heads. This is how I want you to pray. Say, God, I know God, I know that I've done things that hurt you. And you call it sin. I know that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come in to my life and take over. Be the boss. Get in the driver's seat. Here's my life. Help me understand what this means. Help me find someone to disciple me. So I can learn how to be more like Jesus. Make me something beautiful for Your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're here today or watching online and you're not living in these promises. Maybe, Maybe, I don't know. Something The Holy Spirit just keeps impressing on me right now that we have people who are trying to keep both options open. I want to serve God when it serves my purpose, but I want to serve the world when it serves my purpose. Maybe we just have folks that are not wholly set apart. And it's your choice. Pray this with me now. Father, I, I know you have set me apart for your purpose. And I know that I am not doing all that you've called me to do. Maybe you're a father. And maybe you're not leading your family to pursue Jesus. Pray, Jesus, let me be a husband to my wife that You want me to be. And let me be a daddy to my kids do you want me to be maybe your kids are grown maybe it's time for you to be the daddy that they've always needed and maybe you're a mom and a wife maybe your prayer is God I'm so concerned with the things of this world and making sure my husband acts just so and my kids act just so and my grandkids act just so because I don't want to get embarrassed by all them. I don't know. Maybe that's your struggle. I'm, I, your prayer. Let your prayer be Jesus. Let me be the wife You've called me to be. to love my husband. And the and the mama you've called me to be to raise my kids to pursue you and not the world if those are your pray if those are your prayers today bless you you and keep you and make his face shine upon you as you go. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Amen and amen.